Hello! And welcome back to This Is Not A History Lecture. Today has been a crazy day, thanks to my parents. That's right, Mom. Calling you out on that one. Mass chaos. <sighs> Make a long story short, my parents were going out of town, known this for a couple months now. Great, fine, everything was okay. And my great-grandmother ended up going to the hospital with nothing, like, dangerous, just a bacterial infection that, like... <laughs> she says nothing dangerous. Well, it's more of the fact in, that it in was, the like... perspective a, of the, Yeah, yeah it's more mean. of the fact that it was just, like, very contagious that the doctors were more worried about than anything. Um, and, like, if she has the bacterial infection, like, she needs to be in the hospital. Like, it's it's serious, but I don't think it's, like, life-threatening at yeah. this point. Um, so, like... Uh, anyway, so she was in the hospital like last week. And so my parents were like, oh, we're not going. And I was like, okay, great. Made plans to come home a few days later. Kat's going home this weekend too. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, cool. Visit family. No big deal. Then like literally last night, my parents were like, um, actually, so we are going. And I was like, oh, cool. So we had to scramble. Uh, it's okay. We did not scramble on our notes or anything. Well, no, we we, we, we kind of did, but <laughs> but like they're, but they're like normal, topics. good. They're good, like quality notes. They're not like well. Bad the notes. thing is that a lot of this is on my end, at least, is going to be some of it's going to be editorial as well as yeah. factual. Yeah, because of today's topic. <laughs> I um, mean, you can't. It can't not be editorial. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, we will state our opinions. Um, oh, you're going to hear my opinion. And you, many of you will not agree with my opinion. Oh. And you don't have well, to. Well, I think I will. It's the G um, word. People oh, don't like the G well, word. Well, I have the CG word, so. Okay. You have the real G and I have the CG. I mentioned CG a couple times, but uh-huh. I will leave the most of that to you. Yeah. They're probably like, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> what are they Hey, about? keep listening to find out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like, I don't know. It is a bit late. Um, it is a bit late. I've... So you'll hear my stomach growling, and I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long day. Kat and I have both had work all day long, and it was pouring rain here, which of course means that there's millions of people at museums, mm-hmm. which, like, I, I'll admit, I love a good rainy day museum trip. That is a great time. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you have to work in a museum, you're like, oh, you're my like, God, oh, please no. kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I was upstairs, so I got... Yeah. T- today was my job, my collections job, uh-huh. so I got to be upstairs. Yeah, it was uh, very busy today, and I had to deal with all of them, including two lost children uh, that I had to help. You two Code Adams? Oh, Code Code Yellows. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, well, I didn't have to, like, officially, like, sound the alarm, because the first one, like, she had just gotten separated, and I had just seen her family, and I knew what her family looked like, and I knew what direction they went. So I was just like, okay, let's go find them. You know, Mm -hmm. that was easy. The second one was literally, I was in the traveling exhibit and it had been empty for a while because it was like end of the day. Yeah. And this kid comes in by himself. And so like, usually when that happens, you're like, the parents will fall or like an adult will follow like Mm -hmm. a couple minutes later because the kid just like went ahead. Yeah. No, it was a good like five minutes and I still hadn't seen any adults and I like poked my head out and I was like, like, um, hello, is there any adults? Nowhere to be found. This child was just like, I want to see the dinos again. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, hey, hey, bud, um, do you know where your parents are? He was like, yeah. And I was like, did they know where you are? He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
okay, well, why don't we try to figure out where that is? And so, you know, like, it was just me and him in the traveling exhibit. And of course, like, I'm not going to do anything to a child, obviously. Right. But, like, the, like, you know, the policy is, like, don't be alone with a child. So it was like, okay, bud, like, let's come Let's on. go out into the yeah. big area where everyone can see us. Yeah. And um, he was like, we have this, it's, like, a dinosaur exhibit. And we, there's this one where, like, it's pretty low, but it's, like, out of reach of, like, any oh, human-sized yeah. person. And he was like, I want to touch it. And he was like, can you pick me up and like, so I can touch it? And I'm I was not like, touching you, child. Absolutely not. I am not touching you in this room alone. <laughs> like, no. The parents walking and you're dangling above your head. Like, I, know. I know. And I had to be like, oh, well, what if we touch it and he falls down? Like, what are we going to do then? <laughs> Good cover, Kaylee. <laughs> and then I, like, walked over to the security guard and I was like, hey, buddy. This is my friend, Joe. Why don't we talk to Joe? And Joe's going to help us find your parents. Because <laughs> I, like, asked him, like, what does your mom look like? What is she wearing? And blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, I don't know. It's it, he, Well, the, what, what does she look like question? He was like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> he couldn't even give me a hair color. I love it. He couldn't even give me a t-shirt color. And I was like, I need someone else's help. I got help. something to work with. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, mine was not that chaotic, but that time I did have to run downstairs. I was running kind of, like, through the exhibit. Not running. You know, don't run in a museum, even though there's a lot of children in our museum. That's so, like, if running. If you are was... a staff member, you can run. Yeah. But well, I was kind of just, like, looking quickly for someone, and I was kind of all over the place. And I had my badge because I can't get back upstairs mm-hmm. without my swipe access. Yeah. And so... I had it, like, tucked up kind of in my sleeve because I was upstairs where it's freezing cold. Yeah. And, well, normal to anyone else's standards. Freezing cold to me. And um, (laughs) If you didn't know, museum collections are kept within two degrees of 70 degrees. Like, plus or minus two of 70 degrees. And that to cat is freezing cold. It's the humidity (laughs) levels they keep, man. (sighs) 50%. Anyway. 50% humidity. Plus or minus 70, five. Plus or minus five percent humidity. Yeah. It's very specific. Degrees. Plus or minus... Two degrees. It's very specific. Very specific. We are dedicated to the conservation of history here. Yes, we are. But nonetheless, I was in this huge, like, sweatshirt. It's my RBG sweatshirt that says, yeah. um, when there are nine. Yeah. And so it's kind of like my, whoa. And I was just kind of looking like I dredged myself up from the depths of the pit because I Which you, did. like, definitely did. I did. you dredged and... yourself down from collections. <laughs> and so this old man goes, excuse me. And I guess he saw, like, my badge in my hand, even though I was, like, in my sleeve or something like that or maybe i just anyone walking with purpose alone our mm-hmm. age is assumed to be but he's like where do i go after this and i was like i, I don't you, know i thought <laughs> you asked me that too <laughs> like have you seen the history side yes and i was like oh cool and i noticed he had a walker and everything well if you take i was like if you go around this side of the left there's an elevator that will take you upstairs and you can um go up there to look down on the model train to do all like the kids science stuff and it's like well, my kids keep telling me to go somewhere. I was like, I, I'm looking I've for someone. I need to go. That. No, I know. I've had the other day. I, I should have told him about the village. But the other day, I had this guest ask me. So we did all the stuff downstairs and upstairs. Is there anything else? No, 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 no. They asked me. We did all the stuff downstairs. Where do I go next? And I was like, it's like a, a figure it out. I don't know. Like, well, and to be what? fair, like it's not the most intuitively laid out museum oh, it's anymore definitely not like i got it's lost there the first lost. couple times i was it's in it. very like it's confusing it's confusing but either way this guy was just like and i was like being polite of course i didn't yeah i like you know i did that thing where you don't look like you're in a rush anymore you like plant your feet you mm-hmm. engage you lean forward mm-hmm. all that stuff but like 
at the same time, I was like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Go what do you want to see? I don't know. Like, it's like, do you, I was like, have you seen the science? Have you seen the history? He was like, yep, yep, yep. And I was like, okay, then you're going to go upstairs next. And then I was like, anything else I can help you with? And he's like, nope, just waiting on the grandkids. And I was like, okay, have a nice day. And then I like sprinted <laughs> off again. Also, I'm so offended that Kat came downstairs from her crawled out from the cave upstairs and didn't even say hi she said she saw me i saw your hair from behind a pillar and i was like as i passed by the okay. traveling exhibit and you know I was what like, i have to do in the traveling exhibit literally nothing okay, but i was looking for someone from what i thought you could might have be literally wa- you could have waved at me true i could have i apologize for not bad waving. friend uh, bad yeah, friend that was me Anyway, anyway, so I day. had I had this lady snap at me for the first time oh. to get my attention, oh. which is always, oh, which is like always physically a, like, yeah, Ugh, I hate Miss, that. Miss, you work here. Yes. What do you do? I love. What do you want from me? I literally were you I wearing was, the polo? I was leaving for the day. Ew. And I, of course, I still was wearing the polo because it's not like I changed. Yeah. And I was like, she asked me a question about like, if I leave, can I come back? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, like, she wanted to leave the... Yeah. Oh, because it was towards the closing? Well, I, she was, like, um, her, they, I guess they had a friend with them. Oh. Because the daughter said, oh, we have to go take my friend home. And then I wanted to come back. And I was, like, I, I don't know. You have to talk to the ticketing. You have to, yeah. <laughs> not my, not my monkey. <laughs> this is my circus, but that one's not my monkey. Not my responsibility. So many people ask me questions that I just don't know. Yeah. And they assume that I know because I'm wearing the freaking staff t-shirt. No. <laughs> I don't know these things. They don't tell me these things. <laughs> I just slap you know, a shirt on you and say good luck. Do you know the current problem facing the museum? Guests? The most asked about question I've had? Parking. No. So, you know those, like, machines that we have six of that are supposed to give you four letters yes. to take to the gift shop? Yeah. They're consistently giving people six letters. Six different mm-hmm. letters. And I have had so many people come up to me and be like, what's the word of the day? I don't know. They don't tell me. Mm. And so I have to be like, yeah, everyone, I've had to say the same damn thing, like, 15 times. <laughs> and be like, error. Yeah. So we've actually been having a lot of problems with those. Other guests have been also getting six letters. What I've been doing is sending them over to the gift shop. Usually they help them out and give them the prize because y'all did the work, obviously. Right. Ugh. It's just been, I just been like customer <laughs> service. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've said this before, but like where my position is like the staff presence on the floor of the museum. Mm. They should tell us things. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Like, am I crazy to like yeah, think yeah. that? It's if you're gonna knows. like re- rely on like a bunch of undergrads to like be your staff presence, you need to like tell them things. Yeah, <laughs> like the basic functioning things. <sighs> anyway, we've well, I've ranted for long enough, and it's now okay. we're here for that. You know, for better or for worse, I do get to have a week long break from the museum, so that's good. That's good. After this week, I think it's gonna put me to make up the hours I'm gonna miss going home. I think it's going to be 21 days straight of work for me. I don't think I'll get a day off. Why do you have to make up hours? I want to make them up because I want the money. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Because I like for like the GA, like obviously you're allotted that much money. But Yeah. It's a similar situation at my uh, other job. Okay, gotcha. It's like you have to make it up within that like span of a pay period. And yeah. <sighs> She's not going to force me to make those hours up. If I wanted to take off, I could take off. But like I yeah. would like to be paid. Anyway, but yeah. On from our depressing stuff and on to history's depressing stuff. <laughs> the mood is not lighting, lightning, ladies and gentlemen. It's getting worse. 
very much worse. In fact, why don't you take it away, Kat? Start us off on a great note. Yeah. With the... You know, we're going to talk about um, the trail. I'm going to talk about the Trail of Tears today. Lovely. Um, Lo- just fantastic. Yeah. Great so, topic. Makes everyone feel good inside. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and for those of you who have been following the news lately, um, I believe the f- that the first big one was in Canada. Right? The, the school. The schools. I'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, if you've been following the news, there's been uh, a new push to look into the atrocities committed by against indigenous people's groups um especially in north america so canada and america the usa i should say um Mm -hmm. are finally well i'd like to say that they're finally taking a look at some of the horrible things they've done um these new pushes are uncovering a lot of magnitude i think i think a lot of people know that this stuff happened but the magnitude hasn't been discussed before now well okay i'll talk a little bit about what i I don't i don't want to broach yeah into your just because what you're referring to is Mm -hmm. a more all-encompassing problem than i think even you realize hit me with it so the boarding schools where they're they're pushing for mm-hmm. this, which was kicked off by the discovery of like over 200 bodies at mm-hmm. a residential school in Canada, which is very similar to like the American Indian boarding schools mm-hmm. that America had for decades. Um, actually, over a century. What do you think about the dates? It's, yeah, 18, mm-hmm. 1800s. 1860, officially 1860 to 1878. Anyway, um, or 1978. Uh, so almost every single one of those boarding schools mm-hmm. had around 200 students die. So that is not, it's <laughs> obviously it's a very devastating and ridiculous and insane number and no school should have 200 students right. die. However, it's not as like, uh, how do I, there's a word for this that I'm forgetting. It's not as like, that incident is not as like... Isolated? Isolated and as like dramatic. It's right. very dramatic, obviously, but it's not as isolated as kind of I've seen people talk about it being. Oh, um, oh, like it wasn't uncommon for schools. Yeah, to, it yeah. wasn't uncommon. So people are like, Which oh almost God. makes it worse. Yeah, exactly. Because like... No, you, it, it definitely yeah. does. But I just don't think people realize the extent of the problem because oh, yeah. they saw like the, the Canada news break. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my god, that's crazy. That happened at this one school. No, it, no, it happened everywhere, and, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. that's the problem and the benefit of news hysteria is that people yeah. are going to assume this isolated incident of horrible atrocities when in reality, we should be that mad about everything. But again, yeah. this news will and have it's people not... looking into it too. And, no, for and sure. Like, that's the bonus yeah. of this, um, this like, I think that what big was news. so shocking about the Canada news is... I don't remember exactly, but was, were they like marked graves or no? I think they were unmarked graves. Unmarked graves. Okay. That might be what's really shocking about that because like these schools had blatant graveyards with like tombstones and stuff. They weren't hiding the fact that students were dying. It was just the native students that they Mm -hmm. were hiding? Oh. No, 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 no. These schools were only for native students and they were just dying and they didn't care that they had all these students dying. So they just buried them and gave them tombstones. They're like, yeah, this is normal. No, it's not. It's not normal. It's not. It shouldn't be normal. It's not normal no. um, at all. <laughs> you should not have 200 students dying in 30 years, which is God. what I'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to take away from your yeah. story. So I know what you mean, but like, 
unfortunately, it's like not as it's not an isolated incident as isolated as we might think it is coming out of the Canada news. Yeah, yeah. I just think that with that in the news, like the the attention mm-hmm. coming to that, it's a oh, good for sure. time for us to address this. Yeah, that and um, Fourth of July is coming up. Oh, actually, no. It'll when actually we, it will have passed. it will have passed. So this is officially our Fourth of July episode, and we're spending it talking about the Trail of Tears and Native American boarding schools. So yes. it's really hard to celebrate the creation of a country that has committed all of these atrocities and the fact that we're not acknowledging those atrocities and like the fourth of july is about independence from you know king george and whatnot and all that like interesting history stuff but if we're going to talk about how great america is and celebrate america we Mm -hmm. very much need to look like i'm for all the crap i give america it is not the worst place in the world to live. There no. are a lot of changes I would make and I There's, would feel better. Listen, about, I, but... I, a lot of the foundation that America was built on, like idealistically, mm-hmm. is I think a really phenomenal thing. Sure, at the time it was only limited to like white landing on owning males, mm-hmm. but those things that, you know, freedom and justice for all, those kind of things I think are admirable. Yeah. When However, they're when they're applied correctly. However, we have increasingly seen those same freedoms being mm-hmm. taken away and not provided to some. And so it's just, it's, you know, yeah. I think we chose instead of choosing to celebrate America, which there are things to celebrate. In fact, I think. I mean, the Olympic trials are here right now and I'm, yeah. I'm never going well, to not celebrate Simone Biles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in like the next couple of weeks I'm going to be talking about the history of space travel. So like, that's a big American accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and I think we talk about American accomplishments a lot. So we just wanted to like take some time to say it sucks here. And frankly, we're not acknowledging it. Like, yeah. And that's, it sucks if here you've been now. Following, the Southern states are not, are making, <laughs> are basically saying that we can't talk about critical race theory, which we also means like, schools and public educators uh, will not be allowed to even talk about race in a critical way yeah in well how, and history helps you understand mm-hmm. how current events are happening well that that happened in texas too did you hear like the history teachers yeah. aren't allowed yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. about um it's that separate commission thing. yeah it's like different from critical race theory which i don't think has been explicitly banned in texas yet but like this one but this one really basically is but it also bans history teachers from talking about current events mm-hmm. which is as history people horrifying so absolutely disgusting yeah oh my god yeah oh my god that's up there with like the worst sins of what you can do with history Literally, like, one of the oldest teachings in history is those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. How are we supposed to teach history and not say, look at how this directly affects today? Yeah. Look at how this could come into play in the future. Exactly. How are you not supposed to do that? I just... Exactly. Ugh, so, so frustrating. So that's we're, why we're taking the time today and to we're address coming from these this, issues. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we're coming from this extremely critical lens. Because the rest of the time... We'll be proud of America and all the people who are here, but sometimes you have to look at this history and just go like, well, I'll be proud of America as much as I can be. That's, that's, <laughs> there's a lot of moments in history. Which where uh, like, right now is really difficult, but. Yeah, it is difficult right now. <laughs> um, but. Anyway. Yeah. So this is your warning. If you don't like being critical of America, this is not the episode for you. We're yeah. straight up going to trash Or if our you ancestors. don't like to hear about really bad shit happening to undeserving people. Yeah. 
Maybe not this episode. Yeah. We promise we this is not the only time we're going to talk about Native Americans. We will be also celebrating their accomplishments uh, yeah. in the future. So, And it doesn't mean we can't grow past it yeah. and use this to be a better nation, to apologize, to make the changes where they need to be, to pay attention to systemic still existing issues. Like, that's yeah. why we need to be paying attention to histories to understand where the issues still lay and how mm-hmm. we can help and how we can fix them. So, yeah. with that being said, I'm going to drop the G word. Ah, here, uh, here we go. If you've been wondering what the G word is, now's it's, the time. It's Catherine's specialty of study. Guess what it is? It's genocide. Genocide. <laughs> <laughs> don't Yikes. laugh we can't laugh at th- you sung it i did <laughs> i'm laughing at you singing it this is it. how i'm coping um yeah uh do, if we laugh at any point it's definitely uncomfy laugh and not genuine laughter oh no we would um, not laugh at any of this it's our coping mechanism yeah because <laughs> what what else can you do besides laugh because yeah. it's just so ridiculous yeah so um Genocide is defined as the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. Um, The first time this term ever popped up was actually after the Holocaust. Uh, Raphael Lemkin's book um, was written about access powers and stuff, and it uh, originated the word from uh, the Greek language means the first geno means race or people and Mm -hmm. side is the killing of something gotcha um so together it means the killing of a people um there's different understandings and different types of genocide there's cg cultural genocide Mm -hmm. um there's physical there's religious like there are types of genocide types of destruction you can cause towards a people um the united nations genocide convention which also appeared i think like five three years after the holocaust um been a while since i've done my readings on that um has a slightly different different definition and they they um have theirs listed as quote acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national ethnic racial or religious group a lot of people i think hear the word genocide and you think of something like a concentration camp you think of this like something very like procedural yeah systemic Mm -hmm. kind of issue but I mean, some people do call the Trail of Tears a death march, which oh, yeah. is I mean, it's a term that should elicit Trail of Tears. Yeah, yeah, like it should elicit a similar mm-hmm. kind of yeah. And genocide, picture. just to be clear, is not is not usually that procedural as oh, no. it was in the Holocaust. It is not. Yeah, and I think that's the one one of the downsides of of what public education does is that the only time I ever heard genocide referred to in school was in reference to mm-hmm. the Holocaust. And yeah. it, which is why it's a controversial thing. So I get why people don't talk a lot about different genocides, but mm-hmm. like that's not acknowledging that there, there have been so many. Yeah. Well, I think too, that's why people are so reluctant to label stuff like the mass killing of natives mm-hmm. uh, by colonizers, you right. know, since Christopher Columbus genocide, because they're like, no, that doesn't look like how I've been taught genocide looks. Yeah. Because they've only been taught genocide looks like concentration camps. And, and... genocide is a scary thing that other mm-hmm. people do, not us. Not Americans, yeah. And it's hard to look at that and hard to say, oh, systemic killing. We we did that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So by, that, you, by the UN definition, genocide also includes causing bodily harm or mental harm to these groups of people. Yeah. Um, 
or forcing them into conditions that will be at the detriment to the group. Gotcha. Both by population, both by well-being. Um, this can include forced sterilization, which mm-hmm. is not... Also something against the natives. Yes. That was committed to the natives. Mm-hmm. That, um, ooh, I don't want to say that's a good episode topic, but definitely one that we well, should do. Well, the whole eugenics movement in America, there was a lot of yeah. forced sterilization, mm-hmm. um, especially for women in... Um, institutions that yeah. were mental health mental, mental health institutions, institutions um yeah. so that's that is a whole topic for a whole different day um but removing children already born not just sterilization but mm-hmm. removing children from their communities um you'll which is that's Kaylee's what I'm topic. Doing. yep and it's all about intent genocide is about the intent to destroy someone mm-hmm. or their culture mm-hmm. um which you definitely see here yeah in both of our stories it's it's yeah. that targeted action against the religious cultural racial or ethnic identity um, which means that the actions taken against the Native Americans during this time period qualify as genocide. Straight Absolutely. and true. It fits that definition. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry if that's something hard for you to hear. If you need to pause it for a second and kind of think about it, do yeah. it. Honestly, like one of the first times that I was hit in the face with that fact, and of course I had like acknowledged it before but never really thought about it, mm-hmm. was that one presentation you gave on oh. genocide in capstone yeah and you asked us like raise your hand and i was like oh now i have to decide right now yeah like if i think yes this was genocide yeah and i felt yeah. almost bad asking that question because i was like i'm willing no to bet i think that a it lot was of effective. people in this room haven't yeah. thought that question through yeah but you need to yeah i hadn't done it as much as i should have yeah so i thought it was effective in my oh, opinion good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the first time i ever went from the columbus apologetic that whole he didn't know he was bringing diseases was like that whole explanation thing was when someone explained to me that there are multiple instances where colonizers purposely gave smallpox infested Mm -hmm. blankets and materials to natives in the hope that it would decimate their populations or make them so weak that they couldn't fight back yep biological warfare is now a, against the Geneva Conventions, I believe. Um, oh, it's against like, it every is. convention. Yep. <laughs> um, but that definitely happened. That is one of a million instances in which yeah. we have evidence that mm-hmm. people were targeting the native groups. And with I'm the pretty sure in, there's like writings from Columbus where he's like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, there's, he it's, in, it's in it. writing. Well, yeah. I think it's in writing from uh-huh. uh, m- the American government in this time period. Oh, absolutely. Too. The smallpox thing? Absolutely yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, that's just the crafty biological warfare. There's straight up accounts of direct orders to mm-hmm. slaughter and wipe out entire yep. groups of people. And if we haven't said it before, this episode carries a trigger warning. Like it's, oh yeah, heavy, this is heavy. not going to be. Mine won't be too graphic. I stayed away from the graphic a little bit yeah. too. Cats um, will probably be more graphic than mine. So if you want to hear about this stuff, but you don't want all I the... purposely left out some of the really, really rough stuff. Yeah. I just mentioned abuse one time okay and that's all i feel like it needs to be mentioned yeah there's um, guys probably will have much more or more than just the one mention of that i actually um, kept most of it out so okay, it'll good. be it'll be dark yeah. but like yeah i didn't want to make we don't it, we're not here for shock factor we're not here for what's the word uh trauma porn trauma, trauma porn, porn. Yeah. we're not trying to do trauma porn absolutely not yeah there will be topics I'll probably talk about later for because of my type of study that I'll have to warn you about. Yes. And I mean, during yeah. the Donner Party episode, we mm-hmm. did that as well. But well, like, some things you have to talk about that trauma. Mm-hmm. 
However, I don't think either of us want to like this is just not talk about it because we can. Right. You know, well, because it's there. Especially when you're talking about like children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not a, it's not a good time to yeah. talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So given this American action of mass murder and attempted defeat of a specific group of people, we have to look back on our history differently. Um, we have to view this differently. And the fact that the word genocide didn't exist when the original events happened does not mean that the definition of what we did changes. Yeah. Even though the word didn't exist back then, that's still what we did. And oh, it's, absolutely. It's important to look well, back on that. Well, it didn't exist when the Holocaust happened, but Correct. that was genocide. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, other languages have other words for it. I think, um, mm-hmm. there's, I think the German word for it was, like, the people's death mm-hmm. or something like that to target a per- group of people. But, um... Yeah, so that's just my disclaimer. I am coming from that understanding that America intentionally did this. Yeah. Whether or not they plan to wipe out every single one or whether or not they just plan to wipe out small oh, by groups my point, doesn't they definitely matter. Were. I think they wanted to yeah. wipe everyone out. Oh, absolutely they did. But like they didn't admit it, but they definitely did. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the view we're coming from today. Um to put you in the headspace. And I'll leave the discussion of cultural genocide to you. Um, or ethnocide, as some people call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to make the disclaimer, too, that there are currently ongoing genocides. And mm-hmm. I think it has a lot to do with how we um, look at... I mean, if we look back on this, we don't necessarily look at it and go, oh my gosh, a genocide. Yeah. Because the way it was taught, the way we understand it, and the way we are living it, people then lived it but we are currently living through multiple right now there Mm -hmm. are multiple genocides going on right now and if we don't do stuff about that and pay attention to it we're going to look back on this in the same horror that we do the holocaust so also like just be aware of the world you know and it's a rough topic to try to look into and study and like be aware of but i think it is very important um yeah and you mentioned the presentation I gave earlier. So I'm going to list out the um, 10 steps that I mentioned in that presentation. Mm-hmm. So that as we talk about the Trail of Tears, you can kind of follow the 10 stages of genocide. Yeah. Um, and you can pick them out for yourself. The 10 stages, um, which kind of standardization of our understanding of genocide has increased over the past few years. And that's where these 10 stages come from. But it starts with number one, classification, where you kind of start to classify people into groups based on uh, race, ethnicity, yeah. religion, mm-hmm. etc. Number two is symbolization, um, pairing them with these symbols, making them stand out from yeah. uh, the population, whether it be because of their features, because of their skin color, etc. Number three is discrimination, where you actively start like working to their detriment in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Number four is documentization, um, where you basically find a way to physically like to legally and on paper separate people yeah um number five is an organization where you start to kind of put in play your plan to harm these populations Mm -hmm. number six is polarization when you whether or not everyone is supporting your active actions against this group you polarize your community so much that they're not going to support or speak out in favor of them yeah Mm -hmm. which we we've seen more of absolutely um it's kind of scary how many of these steps we've walked we're familiar with yes yeah 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And number seven is seven is preparation, where that plan starts getting its foundation laid out. Number eight is persecution, where you actively have um, people being attacked. Um, in the case of the Holocaust, it's people being shipped to concentration camps. Uh, number nine, extermination. And number 10 is denial. Mm. We have been stuck in number 10 for a really long time on this issue. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't look like what we think a genocide does look like. Yep. Um, so if you want to, as I go through the Trail of Tears, just kind of look for look for each of those stages. See if you can pick them out. Um, it kind of helps us understand how easy it is to get from step one to step ten without realizing what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, so one of the harder things about this too is that we do not have good estimates on numbers um, yeah. because of the way things played out, because of the lack of documentation, because of the lack of understanding of native groups or indigenous groups. I apologize. Um, we... I think native is a good term. Okay. I've heard yeah. a couple of people suggesting indigenous over native. But I, think, I, don't... I don't think they like, oh, well, well, that's not a great way to say that. Um, I don't think native American is a great term because a lot of them don't identify as American. Oh, because America Vespucci discovered. Well, no, 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 because they're because America is the given they're, to their land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're whatever nation they come from. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah. I'll so stick I think with indigenous. Native, yeah, native or indigenous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or First Nations. I've heard is First Nations. I think it's good. I think as is long it as it's not Indian and as long as it's Native American is like kind of ugh, too. Okay, I'll stick with Native um, and Indigenous. And yeah. I apologize if I say anything at any point. Yeah, of this I also have a disclaimer because unfortunately, a lot of the historical events and terms I refer to are labeled as the something Indian something. Mm -hmm. So oh, I, I will be those. saying that in the term Indian in the context of those things, but I will yeah. every other time I'll be referring to these people as natives and yeah. not Indians because. As we know, they're not from the continent of India. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that goes for multiple things. If I say anything that is, I, I am in no way attempting, like, yeah. I apologize now if I misspeak on anything. I have not been, un unfortunately, I was not given a good, yep. thorough education in this topic. So a yeah. lot of it's learning and trying to help other people learn as we go. So, yeah. um, like I said, the estimates... <laughs> are rough we some some historians say that the population for the indigenous uh, people in a, in what we now call america was anywhere from five to 15 million yeah. that's a 10 million yeah gap that millions we don't of know. people like yeah and that's a huge difference mm -hmm. if you're talking about complete population decrease um yeah. because it went to from however many million to a couple hundred thousands yeah. Um, which is, no matter how you slice it, a rough. astronomically small percentage. Um, yeah. So, mm -hmm. just keeping that in mind when Nothing I talk about... Nothing natural kills people no. in that many numbers. No. Yeah. Not like that. Um, mm -hmm. So... Unless it was like the end of the world. <laughs> I mean, who knows? You know, it's been a rough year. Here. <laughs> Maybe it was mixed up. Maybe it wasn't 2012. Maybe it was 20. 2021. I mean, honestly, I've kind of been. I, that this you know, year. I heard someone say like, "No, no, no, the world did it in 2012. It's just happening around us." And yeah, like, it's just been slowly. Okay, happening. honestly, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. So for context, 
sorry, my notes somehow got jumbled earlier, but I'm good. Um, in the early 1800s, there are thousands of indigenous people in just the, like, you know, well, obviously if there's millions, there's going to be thousands in the Southern States, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's also thousands of different groups, not just like uh-huh. Uh-huh. people um, in the Southern States. Some estimates I saw were way up in the millions. Others were more in the like hundreds of thousands. But these southern southeastern states include places like Georgia, Alabama, um, et cetera, et cetera. And white people had a pretty big hate for the indigenous population already. We've talked about um, this in one of our undergraduate sections too, that a lot of times hate comes from fear. Mm-hmm. And that fear of losing your power. Well, it's fear of the other. Yeah. yeah. Fear of the other, fear of losing power over yeah. the other. So white people are not exactly playing fair because they are scared and they disguise it as hate. Yeah. And well, at this point, it's been centuries of white people are the best. Yeah. So. Which are... No. No one's the best. No Kat. one is the best. But I'm thinking <laughs> about the amount white of, people. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the whole entire like process of the monarchies in like Eurocentric countries, and I'm like, no know, one I'm had like, it together. Who thought that I they know, were doing like, what well? What gave them the right to like be like? To yes, think that was it. We are this the is best peak here. world history right we, now. <laughs> no one will ever be better than us. Oh God, including our weird ass inbred <laughs> royals. <laughs> the Habsburgs. Those guys, are the best of the best right there. Someone really said, yeah, the Habsburgs are peak Euro. Yeah, oh my literally. gosh. Yeah. And then they ran with it and killed millions of people across the world. Anyway. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that the ideas of manifest destiny are also appearing at this time. So this idea that God is giving these colonizers the right to take the land. The, rigid, the religion is validating the removal and genocide of these people because white people had the audacity to just assume that yes my religion is right only my god is right and my god is giving me the authority and willpower to overcome this whole land and Mm -hmm. take it for myself um so there the ideas of re-education i'm sure you'll talk about this go back as early as some of the founding fathers Mm -hmm. the idea that we that people should just be christianized that maybe we shouldn't kill them maybe we should just force them to give up everything they hold dear and Mm -hmm. personal. Um, But some of it's a lack of understanding, too. European people, I think, probably could not fathom, like, not, like, land ownership. European people, like, all that, that's all they know. So the concept of, like, communal spaces, non-capitalism. Yeah, exactly. There were so many elements of their life that they perceived as, they didn't understand it. I'll say the word, they perceived it as primitive, and, yeah, like you know, not civilized because it wasn't theirs. Because it wasn't what looked it wasn't their Bible version. Yeah, of, so they yeah. had this, you know, whole like, what is it? The white man's burden, which is something seen across the mm-hmm. world. White man's burden is like, oh, these poor uncivilized people. We're gonna make them civilized, and we're gonna make their lives so much better. Which still shows up mm-hmm. in certain parts of missionary work. Oh damn! I you said, said it. it. I was gonna hint at it, but I'll you say said it. it. I'll say it. Yeah, we go to a Christian university, Ken. Mm. I'll say. I it. mean, I'll say it again too. Missionary work is a modern form of colonization, as it stands today. I have, my roommate goes to seminary here at our university and she has professors who say that i mean i'm not gonna dispute you on that (laughs) and 
I, you know. <laughs> I was raised in a very evangelical setting as well. Like, I. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it's obvious. Well, the roots of missionary work, I did a whole paper on this. The roots of missionary work um, come from, uh, it really took off because oil was found in, I think it was Venezuela. Oh, really? And uh, America wanted an in with Venezuela. So No one is shocked down. that America wanted an in on oil. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that now. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is several issues put together that completely makes sense. Yep. So I, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so some of these people, the white people, supported not so much the kill them and get rid of them, but more like let's Christianize them, let's Euro- make them more Eurocentric. Um, assimilate, that's the word. They wanted to make them yeah. assimilate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few groups, large groups, that kind of didn't completely reject those ideas. Which is why they get the name, the five civilized tribes, because white people thought they were mm. civilized. They were civilized. They had their own culture, yeah. which is what a civilization is, to have mm-hmm. your own culture and identity. This is just the white people's version of the five civilized tribes. So it was the Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, and Creek. And I want to be clear, this is not just a southern issue. The northern, there were a lot of northern groups who were experiencing um, uh invasion and being massacred and stuff like that and even some of them ended up on a on their own version of the trail of tears it just wasn't the trail of tears we know through the south which Mm -hmm. is actually i believe now part of the natural national park service oh is it really i think it's maintained by them huh um i didn't know that but you can like walk part of the trail of tears i think isn't it i i honestly don't know the route they took but um is it like the the that one really famous Trail. I don't think it's the super famous. The Appalachian Trail? Yeah. Mm, I don't no, think I don't that's... know why I always thought that. Maybe just because it goes down to... like It's such a big It trail, like covers yeah. the... So I was like, oh, they could have walked part of that. I don't know. I, don't I think know. It's, it spans other... Yeah, it, it's, it's... I mean, Honestly, this thing is like 5,000 miles Yeah, long, colonial so. history is not... It's not my, <laughs> not not jam. my jam at all. Mm-hmm. So this is... I'm learning here, too. <laughs> yeah. So, early efforts, um, this is forced migration, which is mm-hmm. a form of genocide, and a, a also against the Geneva Conventions now, I believe. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's also just mean, it's guys. It's just, like, really not okay to do. Yeah. Um, so, the main reason that the southern areas were targeted so much is because east of the Mississippi, you've gotten cotton king land. Mm-hmm. You've got, like the land that is optimal for cotton, which is a huge export and seriously taking off right now. Everyone wants to be planting cotton. Along the way, these farmers are stealing things, burning indigenous people's property, murdering the populations, and individual states start to put restrictions and laws in place to force these populations out, basically Mm -hmm. taking away their rights and power until the indigenous people are like, okay, we have to get out of here. Like, we have nothing we have no yeah. autonomy yeah um and the supreme court actually says like hey the states don't have the right to do this hmm. which is weird because like i i think of everyone as kind of you know well i i don't want to say like i'm not maybe, saying america did anything right in this situation because well, there, basically all I think the that's states more of a conversation between states rights and, and federal rights versus fair. like what's right and what's wrong that's true <laughs> you know that's true well i'm like the, i mean the supreme court says this yeah 
But what's the Supreme Court gonna do? They're gonna be like, no, stop. Oh, don't. Don't touch hey, that. Hey, wait, don't do that. Maybe. Oh, uh, there they go. Like, oh, no. basically the states did over whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and we are just nine old guys. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So, and if y'all, I mean, if y'all don't believe that this stuff was genocidal and this was incredibly vicious, this was not peaceful at all. If you need names, we've got the Creek War. It was so bad that, this is a little graphic, that women were killing their own children because of how viciously they were being attacked and treated by the settlers in the area, the colonizers. Um, There's the Battle of Tippecanoe, which was really just a slaughter since um, the indigenous populations were trying to band together and figure out what to do because there was strength in numbers. And the white people attacked them and basically waited till their leader was gone and then burned down their town. Yeah. There's... A war under a chief, I'm going to mispronounce this, and I apologize so much, Osceola, where the Seminole population ended up engaged in fighting until the 1840s. Wow. There's the Naden-Hooten massacre, where the Delawares, who had adopted Christian ideals, who had Christianized a bit to satisfy the white people, were sent to a building under a ruse that they were, like, going to go help with something and then they were beaten brutally to death oh my god there's the mankato executions when basically these populations were starving so they stole stuff from farms trying to survive and then 300 were sentenced to death after trial which led to the uh largest mass execution in american history that was treated like people by people like a public spectacle and then those bodies were used um for medical experimentation I don't know what it is. I'm going to say this. Well, I was going to say this, but I can say it now. What is it about native bodies and white people? Okay. I can actually get into that. Don't let me forget to okay. talk about it a little later. Because I was thinking, because like the bodies have a pretty big part in my story. And the bodies, like, as we know, like most museums have bodies. We've talked about it a little bit in our department because of NAGPRA. Yeah. So like, I'll get to it. Just don't let me forget. Okay. Um, then there's Wounded Knee, of course, where a massacre of unarmed ghost dancers were killed, and the soldiers who did it got the Medal of Honor. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's super awesome. What the f- mm. So, there are hundreds more. There are so oh, many more so instances. many more. Those are just the popular ones. The popular- <sighs> the infamous ones. Yeah. Um, so, my second to least favorite president- well- this dude was shit. He's tied. He's tied for worst favorite, least favorite president. <laughs> yeah, um, fuck this guy. I can't and decide. fuck the other guy you're talking say, about. I, both are really racist. One led to a few more. No, I can't say that one led to more deaths than the other because we don't have Honestly, death tolls from COVID yet. I'm going to say equally fuck him. Fuck him. I mean, I just, I hate, I think because I personally experienced the other one that yeah, I don't true. hate this one as much, but. Oh, no, I hate Andrew Jackson. Okay, <laughs> if you'd asked me yeah. this eight years ago, I would have said I Andrew just Jackson look, Every time first. I look at, at a 20, like, more closely than normal, I'm just like... It's like, <laughs> I want to stab and burn this money, but also it's money. <laughs> but also it's $20. <laughs> yeah, um, which is why, yes, replace the 20, please. Put Harriet Tubman on there already, guys. We've been waiting for eight years. <laughs> I know. Please. Um, so, Andrew Jackson over here... Andy J has been committing atrocities against the indigenous population for years. He's led campaigns against multiple groups while he was the general of the army. And it was not 
this hatred for them was not a reactive response to issues that were arising to him while like people weren't bringing these issues to him in his presidency and he was like oh i guess we got to move him no he ran for the presidency with the so like one of his biggest like main priorities that he ran on platform platform thank you was the removal of indigenous peoples so like (sighs) people voted for this man with the intention to that's a bug um, I have fungus gnats because my plants got overwatered. Hey, me too. Me um, too. Yeah. Anyway, so he gave thousands of acres of land from First Nations peoples to white settlers. Um, and when he became the seventh president from 1829 to 1837, he took his races with him to the White House. And in 1830, he signs the Indian Removal Act. Um, mm-hmm. Apologize again. That is the name of it. Not what I would call it. Um, but... The Louisiana Purchase had happened not long before this, and this whole new territory was massive, and it also gave us what we now know as Oklahoma. And the Cotton Kingdom, east of the Mississippi, was, again, what everyone wanted. So Jackson was like, yeah, let's just use this Indian Removal Act to start pushing them west. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. I had to- Literally the most relevant and iconic- direction in u.s history westward expansion and you like had to do the compass i'm sorry i didn't learn the compass like everyone else because my elementary school was named the trailblazers and we learned north south east west instead of never eat soggy waffles so every time i get messed up i'm sorry look at me no but like it's less about you knowing the compass and more about you not knowing Knowing westward that's that everything has to do with the west yeah okay so basically all the native groups got pushed west um, into what is now Oklahoma. Um, and in theory and in writing, two things that are not upheld with honor at this time, um, the act required that treaties be drawn up peacefully mm-hmm. and with fairness and equity. And even if they had tried to, oh my God, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Repatriate or pay them for this land Uh it is still not an excuse you could never pay someone for making them leave their ancestral lands like you can't yeah that's not something you fix with just cold hard cash well also like the thing is if you offer to pay for it they can say no yeah this capitalism baby in theory they can say no i don't know why i wouldn't be mad hey hey, can i buy that from you no okay (laughs) that's how that's how that should have (laughs) gone you know what yeah You're right. This should have gone very They reserved the right to say no. But alas. But alas. People didn't listen to the official Indian Act. I think I'm willing to bet that it was a very interesting political ploy for him to be like, mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of the people in our way. But I'm realizing I'm talking. Be no, huge. stop. I, started, <laughs> I didn't realize I was using a Trump voice when you I did was. did that on accident? Sorry. I was like, oh, nice joke, cat. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Oh, that was completely on accident. That's like oh a my bit. God. That was funny. <laughs> I've just made fun of Trump so much. That's like a default voice for like For like shitty presence. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Um, so. Oh God, now I lost my <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so basically, I'm willing to bet it was a political ploy so that he could say, like, hey, we're making provisions for these people, you know, whatever. And then in real life, Jackson was just like, yeah, get them out no matter what Absolutely means you have it was. to use. Well, it's that, you know, safe face thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there were groups that were like, yeah, we have legal 
protection under this and they filed like lawsuits and complaints yeah. against the government did anyone pay attention no no not a shocker um the same thing with reminds me of like chinese exclusion yeah 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 america's got it anyway what wow really? I, I said it quiet like we didn't all know um <laughs> so the first group to be entirely removed from his lands was the choctaw in 1831 they were under military threat of attacks and violence, um, and they were forced to walk to the, quote, Indian colonization territory, mm. often without preparation, without supplies, without food, yeah. without water. Um, the Trail of Tears is over 5,000 miles Okay, I was going to ask how long, but I knew you were going to get to it. It's huge. That's insane. Walking? It is. I can't uh. even fathom. Um and this is a year round. This is not like, oh, a nice spring walk. This is like bitter cold. This is boiling heat. This is. Mm -hmm. And if you're from the South, you know, you know what it's like down here. God. Um, but in the process that like they kind of almost use the Choctaw and their forced migration to kind of standardize the process. And they're like, okay, we did it to this group. Like, let's, let's go. We know what we're doing now. We, we know mm -hmm. how to force yeah. people out of their homes. And there are small groups of these individual tribes and um, um, indigenous populations that managed to stay on their, on their, their land. Um, yeah. uh, there is an attempt from the Cherokee Nation to make a real treaty. The Treaty of New Echota? Echota? I apologize again. It's E-C-H-O-T-A. And basically they said that we'll vacate the lands east of the Mississippi for $5 million. They made this deal in 1935. The government agreed to it. Um, some indigenous groups were not happy with this, though, because they were like, we didn't have a real fair say in this. We're yeah. not leaving. So while some people, some of the... Uh, while some of the Cherokee left, a lot of them tried to stay, like, stayed behind because they're like, we didn't agree to this. This does not represent all mm -hmm. of our opinions. And... The Creeks ended up being banished from their homes in 1836 as not banished, um, forcibly removed in 1836 as well. And almost a third of their population died wow. on the way to Oklahoma. Jesus. So. Okay. So where are these groups starting? All over the South. Okay. All over. So like Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. Like Oklahoma. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Like okay. Georgia, Alabama. Like. Okay. That's a 14 hour drive. Yeah. To Alabama. Imagine yeah. walking it it i can't <sighs> imagine doing it under duress with no supplies yeah and you're like you know you're sick and yeah so you got grandma who's got like a bad knee Oof. Oof. yeah um the president well i think by now it was martin van buren was in office um i don't know point. anything about presidents before like 1865 37 <laughs> i think was the year that jackson left office um but basically, the president was like, yeah, I don't like how the Cherokee are actually, like, still hanging around here. We pay them for this land. <clears throat> Paid them for the land. My ass. So, he sends thousands of soldiers, of course, because what else do you do? And people from state militias to make them move along faster. Especially because there are groups like Chief John Ross who held out to the very bitter end. Who were like, you're not making us leave. You yeah. can't. Um... They even created the Cherokee Removal Act in 1838 specifically to target that group of indigenous people so that white men could take advantage of the Georgia Gold Rush by moving them out of Georgia. Because gold guns and 
Steel. Steel. Germs. Germs. That's what it is. Yeah. Wait. Germs. It's not. Oh, no. It's gold, guns, and God. Gold, guns, and God. No. Gold, glory, and God. Germs. God. There's two different ones we're thinking of. The there reason is. that men there's, explored there's and the six reasons... terms that we're mixing up here. Yeah, and it's like three of guns, them are like guns, germs, and steel. Guns, germs, and steel is the destructions. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the gold god and glory is the explorers. Yeah. There we go. They're... There we go. There we wow, go. Wow, that one took a second. <laughs> Sorry, middle school history teachers. Um, <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I, I never had to read that book, so yeah. And. As these people are being forced out of the lands, the white people who are forcing them out are looting, destroying their property, um, attacking their people, even though they're on their way to Oklahoma. Estimates put the death from these Cherokees over 5,000 and, and estimate, estimate that about 20,000 set out together, although they admit numbers could be way higher than that. Wow. But either way, that's like well, a fourth even, of your population. Yeah, I was going to say, even with 20,000, that's a fourth. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a low ball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. They're way underestimating uh -huh. these numbers. I mean, I don't know how many already died at this point from the Everything else germs that has happened. and yeah. invasions and all the Eastern <laughs> Eastern um, colonization and stuff like that, yeah. where there were, were a lot of groups. Um, so it's really difficult to know. But I also want to acknowledge here that there were a lot of African Americans, actually, who were caught up in this because they were being kept huh. as slaves Makes by sense. indigenous people. Makes sense. So... They were forced along this trail as well. Yeah. Um, and and if you're curious about that, that that's is a, a topic whole different of itself. Yeah. But it basically boils down to that's how society was, and that's how people saw to assimilate is to have slaves. Is to have slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they it was acted like the white wealth. man. Yeah. Yeah. So can also blame that one on the white people for making that a standardization of wealth. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Towards the later years, these like towards the end of the Trail of Tears, when they're really picking up the amount of people that they're moving, they're moving en masse, and they're these huge groups just moving together, tightly packed, sharing what little resources they had, and it's a perfect condition for diseases to spread like crazy. Mm -hmm. So you're not just worrying about, can I survive frostbite on like five limbs? Yeah. Like, is, yeah, uh, four limbs, humans have four limbs. I don't know why I thought your head was a limb for a minute. Uh, um, I didn't question it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine someone getting, like, hypothermia on their ears. Um, but, like, yeah. So, if the elements didn't kill you, it was going to be disease. Yeah. Um, some estimates put the death toll at a third of the entire indigenous population that was still alive. Jesus Christ. And Yikes. that's an astronomical number. And yeah. that's one of the things that makes me really upset about this is that like how could you not know how many people were dying yeah how oh, they could knew. you not know well it's like they knew how many people were dying but like like statistically it's like yeah how do you yeah. how did you like force all these people off their land and not even realize how many people you were forcing because off they their were land? they didn't care you know yeah i guess yeah. but they didn't care yeah that like i said earlier that land eventually became oklahoma yeah. I, I mean you know you were, we're talking about people who own slaves they, yeah. they had no problem with dehumanizing you know and that's why white happened. people are very good at dehumanizing which yeah. is also part of the um i'll, I'll talk about it in a second the the native american obsession with native american bodies mm -hmm. um so anyway that land is now oklahoma um where they were all forced to and i actually am working on an exhibit for 
um, one of my jobs, and it's an exhibit that has to do with maps of Texas mm-hmm. um, in the from eighteen twenty to no from eighteen hundred to nineteen twenty. 1840 to 1920. Yeah. Gosh, I can't even get a year straight. And we were looking through maps, and I found one that lists Oklahoma as, quote, Indian territory. And it's really interesting Mm -hmm. because you could see the groups, the five groups in Oklahoma, and it was like, really was, like, according to this map, it really was just a space for indigenous populations. Yeah. And, like, there was, like, one little pocket in Texas. But it's, like, it was crazy yeah. looking at this map because Oklahoma used to be bigger. The land they had allotted was uh-huh. way bigger. And I uh-huh. realized, I looked it up because I was well, so I think, curious. Yeah, because wasn't it, like, sometime recently, like, they expanded one of the reservations in Oklahoma to be, like... Probably. A lot of the state. Like, the majority, I want to say. Probably. Well, yeah, because thing. it's, like, that. It's that's where they put them all. Yeah, well, <laughs> and like you said, they originally... That was supposed to be a lot more land, and they just kept pushing the area smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. or taking more Oklahoma's of that area. Oklahoma's not a big state, y'all. It is not, y'all. Like, we just sounded so Texan. Um, <laughs> well, we're from Texas, so... No, the y'all we dropped was No, exactly. Strong. I'm saying we have... We could call every state small, so... That's true. With the whole sentence, not just the y'all. That's true. very Texan. <laughs> That's true. And the entire concept of reservations is so... The, the modern concept of it, it's like... You can't make repatriations for what we did. Like you, you cannot. Oh, no. There's, there's nothing you can do to pay that back. But you can address the systemic issues that are still existing in our relationship with Indigenous people. So, mm-hmm. historians to this day debate whether or not the Trail of Tears should be used as a term to talk about like the entire Indigenous re- relocation process, or if it should be used to talk about like the specific bits and pieces of this. Um, but either way, it comes down to, like, this complete and utter just discarding of people. Yeah. Like, dehumanization, which is why, um, so we talked about, I mean, there's a million factors that make people yeah. dehumanize each other. Um, just superiority complexes, religious superiority complexes, which is a big chunk of it. But, um... For those of y'all that don't know, I think we've mentioned it before, NAGPRA, the Native American Grave and Repatriation Act. I believe it was signed in the 1990s, 1993? No. It was 1990. Under Bush. It was under Bush. I think it was 1990. Okay. Um, yeah. So, basically, uh, if I boil down this very complex thing, it says that um, bodies and burial artifacts... Um, of Native American and indig- or sorry, not Native American, indigenous groups. Um, um and uh, like culturally, like what, like religious, significant. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so not like grave art bodies, grave artifacts, and burial rituals and religious, like religious ritual yeah. artifacts. Um, yeah, need to be returned from museums to their. Yeah, proper... November sixteenth, nineteen ninety. Okay. Yeah. So, a lot of museums realized that they had human specimens that mm-hmm. most i'd say most museums that have been around for a while yeah yeah any museum yeah. that had like a history physical collection um mm-hmm. probably found one or two things whether it be a piece of a clay pot that was dug up from a yeah you know a, a side of a village or, or something like yeah. it's it's crazy um we ourselves have an ongoing process in our museum um, right now that we've been trying to get 
some very important NAGPRA yeah. items. Well, some I think some museums have such a big collection of those types of items that they have like a devoted person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's entire there's an a book I'd recommend called Bone Rooms, um, mm-hmm. and it talks about. Um, the museums that have rooms of bones yeah. who just have so many human remains. That's insane. Why? I just, I mean, well, I know we that talk people about, were I talked to my boss day, about but, that. Yeah. Because we have, I don't know if I can talk about this. Well, we haven't identified what museum I just and get where nervous. it is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's no secret. It's required to be listed on the yeah. national register um, mm-hmm. as you search for the tribe that will claim the remains or artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, like, there was a huge push because this is where a couple of... We, we had some stuff dropped off last year um, that I, I was talking to my boss because... Uh, I don't know how much I can say. Um, basically, it was not uncommon to... For these, did you tell me about this? Yes, like in the probably. garage. Yeah, probably. Okay. I think this yeah. is that same thing. Uh-huh. Basically, people fancy themselves archaeologists, and what do you want to find? What's the utmost find when you're an archaeologist? Bones. It's a bone. Yeah, it's, it's humans, mm-hmm. and so they fancy themselves these great historians, and they disturb the resting places looking for these. Yeah, and and it's exotic to them. It's this fetishization mm-hmm. of finding an exotic you know, human body that is not white, that is, you know, unique, and it is in some ways dehumanized because it's reduced to its stereotype of being Uh this incredible burial ritual-like thing. Yeah. Um, And it is not uncommon for those bones to also have been taken around like souvenirs um, to be taken to schools for Mm. children to poke and prod and hold like they're specimens in a Which science lab. Which is like lab. insane to me because you know they just look like bones. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's in, in that case, it's the fetishization yeah. of it. But there's also the dehumanization of it where it's like yeah. these bodies don't aren't going to be yeah. buried like a white man or something like that. We're going to use them for medical experimentation or mm-hmm. we're not going to bury well, them like, with the same respect. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's dead bodies, but at these stories like this definitely deserve their own episodes but there's instances of real humans living in so um, sorry that's my alarm <laughs> cat's alarm goes uh real humans living in like the smithsonian museum like yes. as oh part God. of the exhibit the that'll be that'll be its own that'll that be its own is episode, one of the worst it's so bad it's and then the the so world's bad. fair stuff oh my god so bad the smithsonian <laughs> might be the worst one in that i've ever heard of but well, the World's Fair was pretty bad, too. It wasn't against Native Americans, but it was Native Africans, I think, that was World's Fair stuff. Yeah, and there was also yeah. some Asian countries that were seriously exploited yeah. during that um, in yeah. populations. But Yikes. we're going off on a tangent. But, like, yeah. yeah, basically it's that complete and utter, like, taking them as cadavers for medical research and stuff is more mm-hmm. the dehumanization aspect. But yeah. people, in the and especially in the 1900s, more recently, it's yeah. been about this, like, fetishization of, I want to be an archaeologist. I want to find them. Or I, and that's why so many museums are getting them back right now because that push was in the early 1900s. So it's like, grandpa died. Oh gosh. He has has bodies. Like, yeah. And he was an archaeologist. So here, and you know how you get it back to NAGPRA? You put it in a museum. So a lot of museums 
it's part of the public trust they feel with the community is to help yeah. those people get these remains yeah. back mm-hmm. to where they belong. And I mean, I see why, because, you know, if I found a body in my grandpa's garage, oh gosh, what the hell would I do with that? I would take it to a museum. I, yeah. I don't have I don't the have the resources or the resources. Yeah. But these people who know mm-hmm. NAGPRA, it's a requirement for, it's a legal thing for museums to understand and be able to uh-huh. uh, use NAGPRA. Um, yeah, like every museum now. is legally required to list the NAGPRA objects they have. Yeah. Um, and be in like basically constant yes. attempts to get those returned to yes. the nations they come from. Yeah. So that, I think that's a big part of it. Gotcha. But that's, that that makes sense. It started as more of a dehumanization that turned yeah. into a fetishization. I, okay, that makes sense. Because like in my story, like it's, it's about the, the buried kids and I'll get into it. Yeah. But it's just like, why is there such a focus on the bodies? Yeah. And I guess it's that, like, I, I don't know. I'm not in the heads of these people that lived at this time. And, you know, I, we've said it before, but a lot of our teachers and stuff has said you have to look like, look at the past like a different country. Like, yeah. you know, you're unfamiliar with right. their, what they think, how they feel, their right. society, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Else... It's just, like, weird. It's always been weird to me. Like, why is such the focus and emphasis on the body yeah you know what i mean i think i think that would be such an interesting topic to dig deeper on and have like a real professional come on someday and talk about yeah because that is i'm sure there is so much minutiae in the evolution of that yeah dehumanization of bodies and fetishization of cultures and stuff like that but um that's my understanding of it well interesting that is enlightening well and i'm ready to be enlightened about some very depressing stuff as well um Great. Cool. Um, I would say good job, uh, but that would be hard to say about this topic, but you did a, Thank you. a very nice job of covering a rough story. Thank um, you. And I agree it wasn't too graphic either. Mine won't be graphic. Um, you know, it's just the content is rough. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So as I said earlier, I'm going to be covering the, what are called the American Indian boarding schools. And I just want to reiterate the boarding schools were known as American Indian boarding schools and a lot of sources and historical documents and people and stuff like that refer to them as American Indian Indian boarding schools. And I don't want to call them like native boarding schools because I feel like that gives them like some sort of like, was it? Validity. Validity. Yeah. Well, they're not like, yeah. this is committed to a group of people that were just, I don't know. It's yeah. something feels weird about them. There's also other uh, pieces of history that I do include in this that also use the term Indian. Just know that we understand that that term is outdated and we do not use that in our day-to-day life. I will not be referring to the actual people in these stories as Indians. They are native people um, or indigenous or, Mm -hmm. you know, any of those terms other than Indian because they're not. They're yeah. not from the subcontinent of India. <laughs> wow, what a shocker. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> so, yeah, just to begin, it's kind of weird when you're covering historic topics because that's what things were called back in the day. Yeah. You have more of a problem with that than I do because yeah. your, your topics and your study of sex history is like... Yeah. Because they were called different. prostitutes, you know? And, and that's how I all don't... your documentation exactly. reads. Yeah. I, I know sex work is like the term and it's much more affirming and all of that stuff, but... Like to when me, you're reading I've, a document. Yeah, well, yeah. to me, I've come into contact with the term prostitute so much that it doesn't have any negative things for me too. So I'm kind yeah. of it doesn't have that connotation. You're desensitized. Yeah. So 
I understand for other people it definitely does, and so I I understand why we are transitioning to sex mm-hmm. work as a term. But it, it's hard just one to of those break things. the habit. Yeah, yeah. Um, just know that when I say something like prostitute, I never mean it in a derogatory way. Right. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's jump into this. So <sighs> we're gonna start off with how this started. Uh, as Cat just very wonderfully elo- elo- elocuted? eloquently eloquently Elo- elocution 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 eloquent and as Kat just very eloquently <laughs> told us um the u.s america had what they thought was a problem in the 1800s and that had to do with the native populations as more and more white americans moved west uh move west they wanted to and did colonize the land that belonged to various nations of natives that lived there. <laughs> uh, this, of course, as Kat also put, led to a series of, series of wars. And these have kind of come to be known as the Indian Wars in history. Uh, that, like, series of wars. And these were, uh, of course, the actual natives that lived in these areas they were those people versus the people trying to settle the land and this could be the people themselves and it also could have been like government officials local law enforcement anyway basically what boiled down to is the government was having to spend money Mm -hmm. on these indian wars and it was getting expensive Mm -hmm. and that was a problem (laughs) um so they beginning they begin to look for other solutions Mm -hmm. and and they, again, they called this the, quote, Indian problem, which is just, that's rough. Also incorrect. That's pretty rough. Um, that's rough for a lot of reasons. So, one of their solutions to this was the American Indian boarding school phenomenon. And now these didn't pop up out of nowhere. This idea of we can, as Kat put, this idea of we can assimilate them. And they can become part of our culture because, again, that's white man's burden has been around for a long time. And it was actually put into legislation with the Civilization Fund Act of 1819. And this act encouraged the benevolent. Uh, whoa. <sighs> what did I just say? Benevolent. <laughs> this act encouraged benevolent societies. And if you don't know what benevolent societies are, they're basically charities. Um, they're often formed by housewives. Because that was seen within their realm mm-hmm. of stuff they could do. Charity work. Charity yeah. work. Um, it kind of extended. It was part, because, you know, you have this, like, separate series, spheres ideology back then between yeah. men and women. And so this these benevolent societies were seen as part of a woman's sphere. And so it was basically charities. Um, and not as big as, like, super massive charities, but, like, local organizations, stuff like that. So this act encouraged benevolent societies and providing education for Native Americans and authorized yearly payments to those benevolent societies to stimulate the, quote, civilization process. So this meant that uh, these benevolent societies would provide, quote, an education. And uh, of course, that education was, yes, traditional educations like math, science, history, stuff like that. But it was also becoming a white American education. So... (laughs) <laughs> they were taught Christianity. They were taught English. They were not allowed to do any of those other things. And they got stipends from the government. And that started mm-hmm. as early as 1819. So that oh. tells me that... And that that's when it was put into... Like, it was an act. Mm-hmm. And the government was signed. So it tells me that these schools had been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And these at this point, it was just schools. Um, it wasn't, like, boarding schools. And they were usually... 
on the reservation itself or um, in like a local town. They weren't very far. It was more, much more of like a day school thing. And they, then the students would like go home and all this stuff. <sighs> so uh, these schools for Native Americans appeared before the, uh, I just said that, I'm getting ahead of myself notes. Uh, so the boarding schools didn't really show up until a few decades later, but we definitely had to kind of lead up to that. Uh, yeah. So just so I'm not confusing anyone, there are multiple types of schools that are these kind of assimilation based schools specifically for native children. They can basically be boiled down to these types. So they were both on and off reservation and they were both regular schools. So like day schools and they were boarding schools. So we did have boarding schools pop up before 1860, but the first official um, government run, I believe, boarding school did was created in 1860. Okay. Um, it's a little complicated just because there's so many of these and there's like no regulation. Yeah. And most of these other boarding schools are run by these benevolent societies. And most commonly, there were hundreds of them run by various church groups. Yeah, and that can multiple denominations of Christianity, including most commonly Catholic, which I thought was really interesting. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So because of this kind of like disorganized attempt at assimilating the natives through schooling, there's no way of knowing exactly how many boarding schools there were. Mm-hmm. or schools of this nature that there were because any church or group could just pop one up yeah exactly and the u.s only kept track of like the government ones which i think there were like 26 boarding schools from the government i don't know about like day schools but 26 boarding schools mm-hmm. that the government ran um current estimates put the number close to 400 schools in around the nation Oof. and there's likely many more as listening to a podcast from or, or the a historian who covers us was speaking and she was like i'm still finding them like i'm mm. trying to do it and i'm trying to gather a list and it was actually really cool and i wish i had caught the name of her book but um i don't think she even mentioned it she just said in my book and i was like well what's the title ma'am <laughs> what's the book i want to <laughs> um, know she said in the back of her book she had a fold out map of oh. all of the different places where there were boarding school or where there were these schools so i was like mm. that would be really interesting to look at that would be um i'm gonna see if there is a map yeah keep going So, like I said, there's hundreds of these schools around the nation, and they are, you know, all of different, they kind of appeared in different ways, but the most egregious and the stuff that we're going to be talking about today was most commonly committed in government-run boarding schools Mm -hmm. and non-government-run boarding schools, but we're going to be talking about just the government today because (laughs) that's the easiest to track the history of. Because, yeah. <laughs> again, like Kat said, any old church group could pop up their own school if they wanted to. This is an interesting map. So, uh, bu- 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 There's an absence in the southeast, which isn't surprising yeah. if they drove all Exactly. The... So, actually, the one I'm going to be talking about today the most is one of the only government boarding schools in the east. And most yeah. of them were in the west. Um, so, I think, you know, it's kind of like how did we get the jump of being it being like a organization run thing to a government run thing and i basically think that you know the government saw that these non-gov government run schools working were working so well that they well quote unquote well um that they kind of decided that they're like hey we can do that we can do that and i also think that it's interesting because it does kind of coincide with the more standardization of schooling as a whole in america as part of like a government 
thing. Like, like the industrialization of the school system. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so I think it's kind of a part of that transition, too, is kind of how we get to this, like, from this, like, organization to government-controlled thing. Um, so that's kind of, like, the origins and where this comes from. It's a collection of issues, and it's kind of all over the place, but I think that's pretty accurate to the actual history. Uh, so the boarding schools themselves. So the first on-reservation boarding school was est- that was government-run was established on the Yakima Reservation in 1860. But... The real danger and the most kind of threatening to the children themselves was off-reservation boarding schools, just because they were so removed from... Oh, there was no no one to even... Yeah. If they were boarding schools on reservation or if they were day schools, they could go back home. Oh. But these off-reservation ones complete were... Exactly. Were kind of the most threatening and the most damaging to these you know indigenous children mm-hmm. so the first off-reservation boarding school was established in 1879 in pennsylvania and this is the very infamous carlisle indian industrial school run by richard henry pratt so <laughs> and again this transition to boarding school specifically was definitely to encourage assimilation efforts as students could not return home even for events like holidays and other stuff like that, that means they were completely isolated and removed from their culture. Oh so, my gosh. The Carlisle School was run by... There's so many children in this photo. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, no, I was searching good. the person that came That's up with Carlisle colon, mm-hmm. and um, I had to reset my entire yeah. brain. And oh, what's really fun is look at their logo. I thought that was interesting. If you're at home and not oh. driving, Google their logo. Oh. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. You know what I'm Sorry, I'm just going to keep looking no, you're good. at this. Um, so, as I said earlier, it was run by this former Civil War general. I saw him referred to as a captain, and I also saw, saw him referred to as a colonel. So, I don't know. He was some military official in the Civil War, and his name was Richard Henry Pratt. And this, he established a school in old army barracks, which already had most of the facilities needed for a boarding school, such as a mess hall, chapel, bunk rooms, hospital. So sending children to the military. Yeah. Oh, and he's a general. So he ran it like a general, or he ran it like a military. So uh, he was very militarized in his approach to running the school and he was very strict and blah, blah, blah. So all of this stuff. So it was very much like they just kind of got sent to boot camp, (laughs) Um, except for... Instead of coming like, you know, good little army members, they're becoming good little mm. white Americans. <laughs> so, uh, the Carlyle like School this. was so successful that they would become the model for um, these native boarding schools. As, uh, yeah, and uh, so they, he, this guy was good at what he did. And what's really interesting about Pratt himself is his perception throughout history and again you know this goes into like historiography and everything but up until mm-hmm. i'd say the past probably like 20 years he was looked at as like a great guy people really thought he was an upstanding dude i think it's interesting to see how much how how slow progress towards um racial awareness yeah and stuff has has been kind of slow like every generation has its feet in its own yeah. way mm-hmm. but the 
past, I'd say, 10 years have radically, oh, absolutely. Have radically changed yeah. things. Because I remember learning things. Well, I mean, in, the in, museum we work at was born, built in 2005, and they're still Indian on some of the plaques. Yeah, they've been trying to change it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like, that and, like, I remember being taught with the terms Native, like, oh, Indian, Indian American. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Like, yeah. I remember doing stuff that was probably incredibly oh, inappropriate as like the Thanksgiving plays absolutely. and the like. Yep. Oh God, I I'm just gonna apologize preemptively. No, no, no. it's like no it's, one's ever gonna like. We're never gonna be famous enough for anyone to like pay attention to. Like no one would uh-huh. even care. But like, if you ever see a picture of me as a child, I apologize. Like, oh, there is probably, probably some, too. some terrible, god awful Thanksgiving play that my public school. Mm-hmm forced me to put on and it's i like, probably it always stuff like this offensive. always reminds me of the second adam's family movie oh my gosh which is yes. like the iconic scene where, she, where yes. wednesday burns wednesday down burns it all down <sighs> what a queen <laughs> like but yeah and i mean it's and again it's an explanation not an excuse and i, oh, I would yeah. argue that at that age i was too young to understand oh, we what i was know. doing but there was probably some stuff that at some point i could have been like hey like as i got older oh as we got older but yeah. i would say you know they have like below 10 year olds do this and yeah well, at the, that age you just don't you don't understand yeah. what you're doing and, and you, you're taught that like no this is okay you just know what you're taught you don't yeah. understand you're not in that part of your education yet where you're mm-hmm. analyzing what you're learning exactly. you're just repeating mm-hmm. it which is dangerous but at the same time like yeah. i think that's why i mean i grew up in a conservative place like mm-hmm. unlearning those behaviors unlearning certain things is a process so it's like if if anyone ever finds a photo of me that's somewhat offensive from my childhood like I'm so sorry. It is a learning yeah, process, and I'm, I'm always trying to be better. Well, I think I think most people have those pictures of them. Probably, if you were you raised know? in a public school in America, if you were you like probably our did. age or like within ten you were years born of us, either before two thousand, yeah, like, you mm-hmm. probably have the photos. Oh, I would say before like two thousand eight, like probably being generous, you yeah. Know? Anyway, anyway, so the Carlisle School, as I said, was very successful, and this man, Richard Henry Pratt became pretty famous for his work there and famous in what was then a good way people for a long time saw him as a man of great moral character and they kind of perceived him as one of the only people who were quote willing to take a chance on Uh, the native people you can't see my face right now but it is a state (laughs) of disbelief i know especially looking at this dude he does not look like a nice person oh i guarantee you he was a awful person so he was perceived as this because he did his good christian duty again it's a white man's burden to assimilate these people into white culture you know it's white supremacy and we're really knocking every buzzword here today like oh we are we're gonna get like in so much trouble for this episode i know some future employer is gonna find this episode and be like oh my god what what no we're probably like on like fucking 4chan or something like talking i'm so scared of the day that we have a reddit page i'm so scared of that day a reddit page oh god no i'm so no part of me like wants to go on reddit right now and like block like ban our title (laughs) because i'm i'm so scared i know everyone's gonna be shit talking to us and be like they got this wrong and they got this wrong and they got this wrong it's like 
it's history. We're always learning, you know. I feel like we do a good job of saying, hey, we're not perfect. Please tell us if we got yeah. stuff wrong. Also, there's things that have been interpreted in multiple different ways. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> again, it's that white man's burden. And he, people really saw him as a man of virtue for taking on this, quote, unquote, burden of, you know, assimilating Native children and ripping their culture from them and mentally and physically abusing them. But... <laughs> Um, he's most famous for one of his quotes, and this quote would then become the model of basically the whole American Indian boarding school system at the time. And this quote is from a speech he gave at a convention in 1822, and he starts his speech with this paragraph. Quote, a great general has said that the only good Indian is a dead one. <gasps> and that high sanction of his destruction has been an enormous factor in promoting Indian massacres in a sense, I agreed with the sentiment, but only in this, that all the Indian there is in the race should be dead. Kill the Indian in him and save the man. I've heard that last line. Kill the Indian, save the man is what he is known for. And that is becomes the philosophy of this entire school system. I feel like we might have needed to say a trigger warning before that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's rough. Yeah, it's that is rough. rough. Um, and I just don't know how anyone can read that quote and be like, wow, what a great guy. Because he's saying that that's the, past the point. He's of no saying return. that he's natives murder. are well. He's advocating cultural genocide. Yeah, he's saying he he's saying kill the Indian. He's not saying actually kill them. He's saying like, kill the culture. Kill the culture. Yeah. Make save the man yeah. because to to him, which arguably natives weren't men to because, a lot of yeah. Like if you, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, you know, we are able to now see and understand how absolutely horrendous this is. And it's awful that these individuals were not valued until they assimilated into, excuse me, white culture. But, you know, at this time, they're like, wow, what a great guy. He's really saving their souls. Because it's, wow. you know, it's a religious thing. It's a white supremacy thing. It's a, it's an everything thing. And it's just, it's beyond me that for so long because you know that people were like wow what a great guy until probably yeah 2000 at least yeah at, probably later than they that probably they might have known it was problematic but they were willing to probably overlook it until, they were probably willing to excuse it and be yeah. like well you know different time different he, he really meant he really wanted to save them and that was the way he did it and that is the case it could have been the case where he genuinely wanted to save these people when he thought he was. He yeah. thought he was. And he, he definitely did. Explanation's not an excuse, though. Exactly. We don't stand that here. <sighs> so, uh, that is this man. He's, this is what the school is operating on. Who is controlling the school and the motto of the school and then the whole boarding school system. So, Carlisle offered the Native students a traditional education along with trade education uh, which would look like, so, you know, you would have your traditional history math classes, but then you would also have trade education. Um, for boys, it would look like traditional trade work. Mm-hmm. And for girls, it would look like house cleaning and cooking and lace making. And that I know was it, very common. Yeah. It was very lucrative. Uh huh. And I know um, a lot of these schools actually sold the products that yes. the students made. I have heard that. Yeah. In order to like, pay for stuff or just fill their own pockets. Um, so these were okay, not not necessarily bad thing. Trade, good. Good trades to be taught a trade. It, 
to be taught yeah. history, not not to be bad. taught in this situation. No, but to, to be, be taught, taught in this context, absolutely not. No, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying the education itself was bad. However, literally every other part of this was awful. Um, Learning things good. as an inherent thing is good. Yes. Learning them in a forced coercion to lose uh-huh. your culture is a thumbs down. And I there was one article from the Atlantic. Oh. Yeah, so there's a quote from this article. Um, I believe it's from an article titled... Uh, let me find it. Uh, so it's from The Atlantic. It's called The Schools That Tried But Failed to Make Natives, uh, to make Native Americans Obsolete by Aaliyah Wong. I have heard of that um, article, I think. And a quote from that article is, Education was something that was done to us, not something that was provided for us. Oh, and I yeah. think that's a good way to put yeah. that. Um, it wasn't inherently a bad thing but it wasn't something that they chose themselves yeah and that is a huge huge thing um and you can say to a certain point that everyone in america is forced into education but when you're like being dragged from your house and sent across the country knowledge is not bad and that's what we're in theory supposed to be getting even in modern public school systems but the bias in the situation Mm and context was terrible so they were educated in these ways but here's everything else that was pretty common to happen at these schools. And now some of these are, are like one thing is exclusive to Carlisle, but but this list of things is basically universal for boarding schools. Um, they all ran very similarly because they followed that Carlisle model and Carlisle was very effective at what it did. So the dehumanization started from literally day one. Uh, Carlisle specifically, this is a story from Carlisle, but I'm sure there's similar things that happened across the nation in these boarding schools. So when students arrived at Carlisle, who, uh, who again, did not speak English, the first thing they were required to do was go up to a blackboard and pick a white name off a blackboard that they could not read. So they were given a pointer and told to point at the name they wanted. And that was their name from that one. And as we know, names are very tied to identity. So this is <laughs> really not okay. You're having that separation yeah. immediately from even your name. Yeah. Which is like the one thing that you could hold on to. So students, just before we get into this, just so we know, students were usually forced to stay at these schools for at least three or four years. Um, and they started their experience off like that. And that specific thing, walking up to a giant blackboard and having to pick a name off, mm-hmm. that's specifically from Carlisle, but I can guarantee you other schools are going to assign names. In similar ways, some schools, a lot of schools probably didn't even give them a choice. I'm sure a lot of schools just were like, here is a religious yeah. name from the Bible. Exactly. There you go. And they were Bible names, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then the students' uh, traditional clothing and anything that else that might have had an ounce of the people that they came from was destroyed and replaced by kind of, you know, the white American standard for clothing and other things. Uh, And long hair, which is, as we know, an important spiritual symbol to a lot of tribes and, of course, a source of pride to many people, was cut short. And uh, Girls and boys or just boys? So I kind of looked. I I feel like girls were kept long, but they were done up. Like, they weren't allowed oh, to keep like them the, down. Oh, like the hairstyles yeah. of... Uh, uh-huh. I tried to look because you can you can see these because Kat's pulling on her phone. She's actually about to Google. Literally. Because students were very regularly forced to take before and after pictures 
during really? their time at the school. Well, that so makes they would, sense. Yeah, so they would take a picture when they first entered the school. And then when they were graduating, they would have them pose the exact same way. Or I don't know if it was when they were graduating or if after they had gone through this kind of transition into, like, the white standard. Um, but this was to show how much they had improved. Hmm... This was literally used as pieces of propaganda to get more funding for these schools. It was taken to government, like Mm. Congress and everything, and was like, look at these natives. Look at how good they are now. That's very reminiscent of some stuff that's happened during other genocides that I don't... Yeah, pretty pretty bad, isn't it? That's That's pretty awful. Okay. And the fact that the only thing... Oh, and then in some of the pictures, you can see where very clearly the skin has lightened by a considerable degree. More so than, oh, you're just not spending time as outside. Oh, so like some people skin? have, yeah, some people have theorized that there was some skin bleaching going on. Yeah. I'm so, sure back then it was done with super caustic chemicals or lemon juice that would leave you scarred. Mm-hmm. So in addition to all of that, of course, they had Christianity forced down their throats from day one. They were not allowed to speak their um, native languages and were usually punished if they were caught speaking in their native tongues. And were forced to speak English. Students were, most of the students were hundreds of miles away from their homes. uh, And contact with their family was prohibited. So they were completely isolated. Carlisle and other boarding schools even held parades showing off how assimilated their students were. And these parades featured floats that had white supremacist images and sayings. So like stuff like, they would have their students carry banners that said like Anglo Anglo Saxon is the way and stuff like that. Um, not not great. Uh, in addition not. to all of these like super messed up things, the food was often very poor quality. Some reports even say that it was usually moldy, of course, and just inedible. Of course. Uh, and again, this is at Carlisle and other schools. Um, there was. A very little medical attention given, which just allowed disease to run rampant, especially in close quarters of dormitories. And this is why we have so many graves at these schools. Mm-hmm. Because of... There was just no medical attention given. And they were just allowed to die from the millions of diseases Pre- like, that we didn't have cures for back there then. There was way more that we didn't have cures for, but even something that would have been preventable for them, yeah. I'm sure, was... Mm-hmm. There's also an overwhelming, and this is a little bit of a trigger warning, but there's an overwhelming number of reports of all types of abuse from physical to mental to, of course, sexual. Um, so That does not, yeah. unfortunately, surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me either. And that's all I'm going to talk about the abuse. So those, those were just, that's kind of an overview of like the specific things. I didn't want to get into any stories because, again, that feels very... Icky. exploitive right it, now yeah exactly in the current conditions of the I think situation you can, it's just yeah too much. i think you can understand how bad this was yeah and i know for a fact that i think it wasn't the canadian government that recorded like forty thousand oral histories from their oh version gosh. of re- of these boarding schools so just so you know C- canada and i believe australia and new zealand all had similar boarding school assimilation programs in Canada. It was called, they were called residential schools. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's like a, that's a completely what's similar to America, but I'm not going to talk about Canada schools right now just because mm-hmm. that's Canada and that's a whole different country. Um, but those other places had these types of programs. 
Um, and so I'm not gonna go into, I'm, if you're really interested and just, you know, want to know, I don't blame you, there's resources there. And I do think that those stories deserve to be heard and listened yeah. to. However, <laughs> I don't think this is the place for those because it, like Kat says, it just feels a little, it just feels a little icky right now. And it's, it, I'm, as I'm looking through these photos, I'm realizing the famous ones I know, mm-hmm. like, cause I've seen plenty of before yeah. and after photos from these schools. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are labeled Carlisle. Yeah. Carlisle, so... I think was like the most common. They did, a, they, again, because that was like the it school. It was the premier one. It was, you know, the big kahuna. <laughs> it was. This is insane. Yeah. So because, and this is where we get into this. So because of, you know, the abuse that these students were going through and the issues with medical attention and stuff like that. There was unfortunately one other universal aspect to these boarding schools. Almost every single one of them does have a graveyard. And uh, these graves were marked. They weren't unmarked. They weren't, you know, trying to hide that these students were dying. Uh, So for example, Carlisle School was was open for 30 years. And in that time it saw 10,000 students from over 142 nations, during this during uh, of those 10,000 students, over 180 children would die at the school in 30 years, and that's oh insane God. because you should not have 180 children die at Jeez. school. Bodies of the children were not allowed to be returned to their uh, their homes and their families. Mm-mm. Instead, they were given Christian burials on the grounds of the schools. Again, it's that birthright thing that I was talking about. I just don't understand, like, why it's such an emphasis on that. Yeah. You know? And, of course, a lot of these Native people have, as we've discussed, really significant burial rituals that these children were stripped to. So we do have some good news. Um, Efforts have been made in the last few years to properly identify and bury these bodies. And I think it kind of fits in with the NAGPRA thing. Yeah. So there is, you know, there's efforts are being made to return these bodies to where they came from. However, this likely will never, will never identify every body. Right. And we probably won't ever even know. Because can you the amount of schools that have like turned into something else and they moved the graves mm-hmm. or they moved the the tombstones well, and like, didn't move the graves and some of the NACRA stuff that like when you're returning it to an indigenous group you list it you list everything you know about it and yeah. you list it in the area it was found if you have the provenance for it and yeah. so like a lot of the time that's how you I, like someone can reach out and be like hey I think this is ours mm-hmm. um, but without these children being buried in a specific place without burial yeah. rituals or mm-hmm. artifacts that might have yeah. belonged to, to symbolize which group they, yeah. which They're tribe they were. Like, there's yeah. no way to figure there's out no where these children came from. There's no way to identify. Yeah. So efforts have been made and some, some bodies have been returned and, you know, given the proper burial rights and everything. Uh, however, like I said, we'll never get to all of them. And as we talked about earlier, but after the recent discovery of a gravesite in Canada from one of their residential schools, the mm-hmm. U.S. has announced a commission to attempt to find and identify bodies at boarding schools in the U.S. Um, but this is a process that is likely to take decades to complete. Yeah. So after hearing all this, you're probably wondering how the parents and how the caretakers in this situation I was, yeah. um, kind of 
felt in uh, were involved in this. I don't want to say that we're involved in this, but how did they kind of let this happen? And that's a that's a rough way of putting it because it's kind of victim blamey. But um, yeah, so uh, there were dozens of reasons for you know the question of like why the parents allowed something like this to happen and didn't put up like you know a huge fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and some definitely did. Some did not allow their their children to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it boiled down to really two main things. In some area, the government stepped in and forced I, just, I know some of children. it was forced, because I read a book mm-hmm. at one point about that. Yeah. I think I did, too. Was it in, like, high school? Yeah. The the last... <sighs> it was really hard to find. Like, I remember having oh, a I have, like, a vague it. memory of that. Is it, like, a boy kneeling on the cover? Something like that. Was he, like, at a train station at one point? I think so. We may have read the same book for class. Maybe. Probably. It's been a hot minute. (laughs) So it was forced, and I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But in other cases, parents really saw this as the only opportunity for their children to get a real education and a chance for them to kind of overcome this poverty that more and more Native people were forced into as, you know, the reservation program expanded and that kind of extreme poverty that we see on reservations even to this day was kind of forced onto them and so they were kind of hoping that well at least they'll get an education and at least they'll be able to take care of themselves and it's almost like it's a better pipeline to better work yeah you know so uh sucks i can't imagine being put in that situation but i'm sure the parents just genuinely thought it was the best for their children yeah unfortunately uh I'll get into this later. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But so now we're going to talk about the after effects. So just so we know, by 1926, an estimated 83%, 83% of Native children, of all Native children, were in some sort of assimilation program. So that affected everyone. Even if you weren't a part of that 83%, you knew someone who was. Uh, Students often on returning home felt completely alienated from their culture and had a very difficult time transitioning back. Yeah. So difficult so that some students even chose to return to the schools after graduation because they just couldn't, they just didn't fit in with their culture anymore. They were sent back, and these students were specifically sent back to their nations in an attempt by the government uh, to that they would hopefully go back and influence other natives who like older people or other evangelize yeah exactly evangelize and convert them to being white americans hey mom Um, dad i am here to make you a christian exactly uh so this alienation was uh, felt not only because of the unfamiliarity with the culture and the people but many students could no longer speak their native tongue uh, the assimilation had also... Oh my god, imagine going back home to see your parents in the first time in years and you don't know the language anymore. Well, what's even rough is this next bullet. Aww. So the assimilation had also just done its job. And many of these students now perceive their own culture as uncivilized. And so their own relatives, their own parents, their own grandparents were now deemed less than. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is exaggerated by the fact that these students were often so young when they started these programs that they didn't have a full understanding of their parents' choice to send them to these schools. So many students from the get-go basically thought that their parents had abandoned them. Oh. 
And again, this is quite literally a That's form. When you mess with children and manipulate them during their yeah, formative years. I was going to say, this is literally a form of mental manipulation. Um, it sounds like the cult leaders that mm-hmm. like take yeah. young children. It's isolation. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one in that psychological manipulation uh, because they, and again, they weren't allowed to contact their parents while they're at the school. Most schools did not allow that. So there was no way to like write a letter and be like, Hey, did you actually like abandon me? Or the parents couldn't like explain it when they were older, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So honestly, in my opinion, it's a miracle that, <laughs> any sort of cultural anything survived through this time uh that's a hundred years because the school systems the last boarding school did not close until 1978 a hundred years of white people trying to wipe Mm -hmm. out other people's culture and you know what they didn't do it they did it to some groups very unfortunately but there's still very strong native populations i just think that's so impressive i know i to live through all of that and still be here Talk about being the ultimate fighters. Like. I know. Uh, yeah. So again, this it's an attempt at complete cultural genocide. It is. And unfortunately yeah. for a lot of these groups, it was cultural genocide. They yeah. Entire groups were lost. Yeah. Entire tribes were just completely lost. <sighs> so as I said, the last American boarding school was not closed until 1978. In 2009, President Obama signed a bill that officially apologized for all atrocities uh, against natives committed on American soil. Yeah. But uh, this was just apologies and didn't actually do anything about it. So, And I think there's that... Oh, I'm sorry. ...discussion right now about, like, I think people get defensive because they're like, what do you want us to do? It was our ancestors. I'm like, first off, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge the issue. Mm -hmm. And then you need to ask those communities, where do you see systemic issues and how can you help fix them? Yeah, I mean, you like know. educate yourself. Like that's you wanna, that's the thing. <laughs> exactly, and you want to throw around our last bud, last bud word, what buzzword? Our last, last buzzword. buzzword for the night: uh, reparations. Canada paid yeah. millions of dollars to their native population well, in reparations. Like, have we been contributing to our native populations that we stuck them on reservations with their still systemically having issues on because of the way we've treated them? Historically yeah. and currently, yes. Mm-hmm. Are we doing anything about it? Yeah. Not fast enough. No. So I just wanted to end on probably the only highlight, the only kind of not as depressing note from anything having to do with boarding schools. Um, it's just a little bit of fun. You know, it's that light in the dark, however damn it may be. <laughs> it's a flicker. It doesn't, yeah. I don't even know what you're about to say, but I'm going to assume it is barely a glow. Oh, before, before this, I do want to say that, you know, there's a lot of resources if you want to, you know, kind of look into yes the status of natives today, how we can help them. I know that the, uh, there's a big movement for land back, which is not like, you know, giving your actual land to, yeah. <laughs> um, which of course you can do that too, if you wanted to, but it's also like um, protecting land too. Like yeah. the fact that Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. is on, yeah. is it, it's, it's a, I forget the name da- of it. It's the it's Dakota like people, old, Dakota Sioux, right? Yeah. It's like the old man or something. The name of the original site. I thought it was the Black Hills, Morglum. Oh, I don't know. I'm don't quote me on that. I don't know. But like, yeah, like that, that was native land yeah. and we mm-hmm. stole it to put the um, pictures of the founding fathers on there. One of which actually supported the Eurocentric teachings and yeah. cultural genocide of. Anyway. Um, anyway, so like policies like land bank, uh, look that up. I think it's a pretty cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. well, and 
also like uh, national parks a lot of those are like mm-hmm. sacred land to people and the yeah. fact that like <clears throat> a president of ours just recently did mm-hmm. sell off a lot of yeah. those lands please 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 i don't have any like resources on hand now but like you can google like it's you know, so many people are really pushing, and I really think that's an important thing to be aware of and mm-hmm. be kind of on the surface of. I know a lot has to do with pipelines, and those are extremely significant to oh, yeah. native and, like, reservation lands and, like, spiritual sites and all that kind of stuff. So, like, just look into how you can help. Um, well, that one pipeline's been an issue for, like, six years now. <sighs> yeah. Even longer than that, probably. Yeah. So, please, please, you know... We're having this conversation, but for us and for anyone listening, this should not be the end of that conversation. Yeah. Um, and if this again, came off as abrasive, sorry, not sorry. Like, yeah. it can be really hard to hear. And to be fair, we've been ruminating on this for a while. Mm-hmm. So if this is your first time hearing all this, like, I'm sorry, that was probably a little bit much for you to hear. But, like, yeah. it is something we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So on that note, let's try to not end on such a depressing yeah. note. So Carlisle funnily enough had a huge impact on american sports specifically american football really yeah crazy right and like changed how the game was played oh yeah so the school's football team uh and again this kind of fits into their logo if you look that up but their football team is called the carlisle indians (laughs) um which is just, Uh, yeah wow there's a lot to unpack there (laughs) um yeah so this pro this team was often much smaller than the other teams that they played, which means they had to get pretty crafty if they wanted to actually win their games. Um, which this basically meant that whatever didn't have a specific rule outlawing it, they went for it. I love so, it. <laughs> many of the trick plays that we still know and are commonly used today originated at Carlisle. And these include the handoff fake in the hidden ball play. So pretty big deals. Like you see handoff fakes multiple times in a game. So many other of these tricks were completely banned for the game because they were just like, y'all can't, y'all can't do that. (laughs) But the funniest one, in my opinion, is uh, (laughs) they they tried for a season (laughs) that they tried this trick. So what they did is they took their jerseys and they sewed brown oval shaped fabric to the front of them. That way, the opposing team could not tell who actually had the football. Oh my gosh! Like everyone had the football. Is that why no one has brown on their uniforms? Um, I don't know, but they outlawed it pretty quickly. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! (laughs) I know they're like, yeah, you you can't do that. (laughs) So I think that there's that fighting spirit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and also fun fact: the first Native American um, Olympic gold medalist and uh, professional football player Jim Thorpe actually went to Carlisle. Oh, yeah. So wow. Yeah, so he's he won two gold medals. I don't remember what year it was, but he's the first Native um, to play in the Olympics for America Mm -hmm. and metal so that's wow. pretty cool also you look this man up he's he's kind of cute just saying <laughs> jim thorpe <laughs> so and i know i know i know him from football i didn't know he was olympic gold medalist too that was a fun fact for me i've seen this picture before yeah mm. he's kind of cute right mm-hmm. <sighs> well 
hopefully, you know, hopefully that was a little bit of a lighthearted note to end on. Um, oh my gosh. You know, even though those things were committed at not a great place, it's still kind of fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for sitting. This is a long episode. Thanks for s- sitting with us talking about these pretty, pretty rough subjects, but I think pretty important subjects to talk about. Yeah. Um, Continue to do your own thinking and educating on the topic. Yeah. And like Kat said, if that was, you know, kind of a lot to hear, we understand. We've been there. There's a lot about deconstructing your own education. Yeah. And looking at things, you know, from... Sometimes you got to look at them raw and harsh. Yeah. And... This is one of those things. Yeah. And we're here to do that ourselves and to hopefully help you do that. And we hope we've done a good job with it. Yeah. Um... Any comments, questions, concerns, I'm sure a deep people thoughts? Won't be happy with us after this episode, but yeah. you can vent to us no matter honestly, good or bad. Honestly, if people are if people are upset because we like you know said the wrong term for something, that, okay, that's valid. Okay, please yeah, let us know, us. like please. But like, if you're upset because I called like missionary work colonization. I'm not really that upset about it either. <laughs> I'm not upset that you're mad. So you don't have to listen to us. <laughs> yeah. This is... Listen, we know our brand. We, and <laughs> We know we are not conservative. Yeah. Absolutely is, not. Yeah. I think we made that clear from day one, but... Yeah, we did. Anyway, uh, if you stuck around this long, please, 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 we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Follow us on Twitter at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. And email us at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com unless it's angry and unless that it's case, angry and then you can get over it <laughs> look up the definition of genocide and tell us if you disagree yeah go stand in a field that's what i say go touch some grass <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway um, um please give us a review on apple podcast i don't know if i can come up with a cute thing today today is not a cute thing today's not a day. cute thing um, um, every review you leave helps another child not get lost in our museum and Kaylee to hang on to her sanity. Every review you leave means one less guest at the museum I work for. <laughs> no, we need the guests. We, it, museums no, are nonprofits. They guys. don't need the guests because their lights and bills are kept on by the university. So, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> but um, nonetheless, leave a review. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. And we promise we'll try to be more uplifting. Yeah. Next next time it'll be a little bit more fun. I hope so. Anyway, this has not been a history lecture. Bye. Bye.